This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code the Show Up Dad and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment, standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome to the Show Up Dad podcast, where we explore the joys and challenges of being a dad in today's world. I'm your host, and I'm thrilled to be joined by Colin Lavin, a devoted husband and father of three boys. Colin has been married for 19 years and is the business manager and financial secretary of IBW Local 47. With his wealth of experience in both family and professional life, Colin is a perfect guest to share his insights and experiences on fatherhood. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into the art of balancing work and family life, raising children through different stages, and navigating the complexities of modern fatherhood. So sit back, relax, and join us as we explore the joy, the challenges, and the many rewards of being a show-up dad. Glad to have you on here, brother. I appreciate it, Dave. Thanks for the invite. Absolutely, man. Well, this topic is all about being a show-up dad, what you are, Colin. Um, And I want to open up with you telling us a little about your journey into fatherhood and how did you feel when you first became a dad, if you don't mind? Yeah, definitely. It was... uh was a surprise um wasn't something where you know we were ready for as a couple we were still freshly dating and um really embraced it um kind of excited for the unknown Mm -hmm. you know to raise a family and uh and see see what comes in the future Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. well you've been married for 19 years right so how did you guys meet Uh, that's that's interesting yeah we met at a uh friend's uh house party Mm-hmm. And she was a little younger. I think she was just turning 20 and I was just turning 25. And from there, we sparked up a relationship, started dating for a couple months and uh, ended up having a kid before we got married. Mm-hmm. Actually, at, at our wedding, um, I was holding uh, Colin Jr. or we call him CJ uh, in the wedding photos. It was kind of cool. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's really awesome, man. Um, with that being said, you know, you have a father in the trade as well. How many brothers and sisters do you have? 
Colin? I have uh, I have two sisters uh-huh. and one brother. So I have an older sister, Erica. She's from uh, one of my father's previous marriages. And then I have Katie, which is my younger sister, and Casey, my younger brother. Mm-hmm. How was uh how was that growing up with a in a blended family like that? Did you see any difficulties in that, Colin, or anything like that? Uh, nothing, nothing early on. I mean, we were always together. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, she she would come for the summers, and then um, you know go back to her mom's house. And and I think as we got into the adolescent age, I think if we all go through that phase and get selfish, we kind mm-hmm. of broke off contact with Erica for a number of years but we're we're all in touch now but mm-hmm. but growing up it was uh it was different mm-hmm. being blended yeah because it provides a whole different dynamic a whole different list of challenges and it's it's hard it's not only hard for the parents you know i gotta take my hats off to your mom um because it's it's kind of hard you know what i mean you got to be on the same page right. with the. Uh, the way you raise them and everything, you know what I'm saying? And all the intricate dynamics that go along with having a blended family. So my hat's off to you guys for a little more to pay attention to. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. A little more sensitivities around relationships and trying to keep things intact. Mm -hmm. As we're talking about your early childhood, Colin, I wanted to ask you about your father a little bit, Pat. Um, yeah. How, how was that growing up? Like, I, I know he was a Marine and all these different cool <laughs> things that he's done. You know what I mean? How was it growing up with him as a father? It was, uh, it was kind of a crazy, you know, story and origin, um, mm-hmm. coming from Chicago, my father, um, having his father in the trade, uh, always going to, um, family functions, always barbecues is my memory down in the basement uh, where the men are and then the women are upstairs cooking or out in the backyard. Um, but always family orientated and busy, right? My dad mm. played a lot of sports, a lot of softball uh, and worked a lot. He traveled a lot uh, in the younger years, which eventually brought us out to California. So you said he traveled a lot. How did you see that? Like, was it hard for you being a young kid and not understanding or did he make it apparent that, Hey, this is what I have to do to provide for you guys like what was your thoughts looking back yeah i mean looking back i can see where where he did travel probably too much but when when he was around i mean we had a kind of all the best things right the biggest christmas tree the biggest pumpkins we could we could possibly afford for halloween um fourth of july's always had fireworks and not Mm -hmm. the little ones right real big ones that explode in the air so always always made it um the best of everything Mm -hmm. so he compensated his absence with with stuff correct like you you guys probably yes never had to lack or anything like that which is really cool right you know always had yeah always had tangible stuff yeah i've seen both aspects i've been in the position where i've had to make the decision am i going to keep the lights on or put away the diapers and i've also made actually walked in the shoes where like your father my absence because i was making a lot of money on the road you know what i mean i try to i guess for lack of better terms buy my kids love i guess in a sense not buying their love but i was trying to pay for my absence i guess you know what i'm saying sure and and i think as 
as providers, that's just one thing we learn, whether it's right or wrong. I think uh, just society runs on money and we fall in that trap of trying to buy the next best thing or a new toy for the kids. Um, and we see it everywhere. Not that it's always right, but, but that is something that makes it feel better. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy too. Cause like you, and I'll, I'll just give you a quick example. I just got this super box S3 pro, whatever. Right. I'm super excited about it. Cause it's going to be an opportunity for us to have all the channels and movies. And I right. mean, it's just, you know what I'm saying? And, um, so I get this box and it's supposed to be for my kids and for family time. But like with everything, it's this thing where it's like, okay, don't touch it. Don't look at it. Only play it when I'm around. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's almost like you covet this thing that's supposed to be for your family. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, my wife's the one that pointed it out to me and I'm like, oh man, yeah, I'm doing the same thing that my dad used to do, you know? Cause my father did the same thing. You know, he bought stuff, really nice high-end stuff, whether it be a John Deere tractor or whatever, but it was like, no, you guys can't use it. You're going to break it, but it's there. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. So. Right. Well, and that's, you know, when we could buy stuff. I mean, there were plenty of years when food stamps and, you know, help from the County is how we got by line mm -hmm. work. Wasn't always rich back in the day. I can tell you that. No, no. These kids trip out when I tell them, that when I started, I was making $17 as a first step. And they're like, right. what? I wouldn't get out of bed for 40. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, uh, yeah, back shit when my dad took over, I, I think they were making probably 25, 28 bucks an hour mm -hmm. as linemen and not getting nearly the hours they're getting today. And they were hungry back then looking for work. Oh, absolutely. That's when guys were traveling all over the big job, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he even at one point to help make money, I think he even sold real estate in the meantime. But oh, wow. uh, that's that's come a long way, you know. The, the work has really picked up. Yeah, for sure. Now these guys are working, what, like 80 to 90 hours, some of them, a week? Yeah, they are. And, you know, a lot of work coming in the future, a lot of growth in our industry when we talk about electrification of the world really um mm -hmm. it's just gonna take a lot of work and a lot of people absolutely and that's why it's so important just to i believe our mission is to make sure that the men in the families are ready for this type of right. work because i think a lot of times people get into the line of trade right because they see the money they see that it's an opportunity to be a create a better life for their families but they don't really think about the not the consequences, but it would be the sacrifice that's going to be made. They're not handing that money out, right? No, no, they're not. And and you're not making it at home. You know no. what I mean? You're making that while you're out missing your family. And I've growing up, you know, being the kid of a lineman, you know, having those good things always came at a cost of my dad missing those soccer games or that Christmas, you know, and mm -hmm. that Thanksgiving. But that's, that's where the you know money was to be made is on those days. Mm, yeah, no, absolutely, man. I've been on. I remember call outs, family around Thanksgiving, and they're calling me to go change out a transformer on the top of a mountain. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, well, when you're hungry, you got to go. You know what I mean? That's that's how it works. Yeah, exactly. You know, but I don't think people really understand the level of sacrifice that it takes to do 
the job and to make the money that we do. Um, right. No, until you're putting those shoes, no one can really understand it. There is a lot of sacrifice. I've had past guests on here talk about how they miss their family, you know what I mean? But they knew that they were there for a job and they had to do it, you know? And well, it's, it's, almost- it's somewhat of a privilege, right? To have yes. that type of job and be able to, to serve the community in the way that we do and provide power and mm-hmm. uh, be there to, to be the help. Absolutely. It is. It's a privilege. You know, not everybody can be linemen, <laughs> you know, or, or electricians or yeah. whatever the other trades there is, you know what I mean? I mean, it just, it, it takes a certain breed of people for sure. Definitely. Now we talked about the man behind this. We also got to talk about the wives that support these men. I mean, gosh, it's hard on them. I mean, I'm sure you saw with your mom, the amount of uh, extra stress she had to take on when your father was gone. What did you see growing up about that? That you remember? Uh, just, you know, extremely um, tight knit family and support mm-hmm. from, you know, around our family from aunts and uncles. Um, but really the wives at home are kind of the backbone of our family. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When the men are out working, they're at home taking care of business, uh, making sure everyone's fed and clothed, you know, and uh getting everything done it's great support yes you definitely got to have that support for sure um if you don't it's it's lonely um unfortunately for me we moved to a place where we weren't uh familiar with anybody and i was in the trade we were about five hours away from my family about an hour and a half away from her family and uh my wife had to take care of a whole farm plus the kids everything while i was gone so i really put a lot on her and my hat has to go off to her because she put up with a lot (laughs) while i was gone you know what i mean that's yeah that's a lot to help out with that kind of dream you know i know we try to set ourselves up with our dreams and then we got to go make money and then we leave everyone at home to take care of it so that's 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 cool yeah for sure you know um I've had a past guest come on and they talked about when your dream becomes your spouse's nightmare, it's time to reassess the dream. <laughs> right. That's, that's that's a great way to put it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's absolutely true because my dream, my aspiration and the story, the narrative I told myself was, well, I'm doing it for you. I'm doing it for you guys to have a better life. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm the one who's on the road, who's living a completely separate life. Right. And right. my wife's dealing with the kids, the animals, everything, you know, and it wouldn't have been bad, but I didn't have a plan going in. Okay. Right. It was just, okay, this is what this trade calls for. And I'm willing to sacrifice and be on the road and, and deal with the long days, long hours, cold, all that stuff. You're going to have to deal with this. You know what I mean? It's, and she, oh. she, she took over all my, uh, like extracurricular activities, all my hobbies, all my plants, all my, you know, everything I was doing at the house, you know what I mean? And right. she never asked for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. But she it's, did it because almost, she loved me. <laughs> no, you exactly. And, and, and there's probably a period of time when you're going through life where it's all reactionary, right? Like I, I didn't mm-hmm. plan to have kids or really plan to get married, but it was the right thing to do. And we dove into it and it's been great. But there was a time there where it's all reactionary, and now we're trying to get to the stage where we can plan our future into retirement. It's mm-hmm. kind of interesting how that growth happens. 
It is. And I like the way you said that reaction versus uh, reacting versus proactive, right? Um, I think a lot of times we get caught in that reactive state where we're allowing stuff to happen. And as it unfolds, we're reacting to, we're always constantly behind the power curve versus having a plan and being like, okay, this is what we're going to do if this happens and, and basically have a plan for your life, a vision for your life. Right. I think that's much right. more important than just always living behind that power curve. You know, definitely, definitely look at things differently now than I did, you know, when I was 20 and knew everything. As oh, I've gotten yeah. older, I found out I don't know everything. My dad was probably smart back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. All hindsight 2020, we look back, it's like, oh, yeah, dad was probably right, you know. <laughs> it's, and I'm going through that same, you know, growth curve with my teenage boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really can feel uh, the frustration that my, my father had when I was at that age. Um, cause I'm just watching it all replayed. It's kind of interesting. So what are some, so we're talking about your teenage boys, right? What are some yeah. of the biggest challenges you face in raising them, brother? Uh, well, they're all three boys and they're all different in the way they act, um, mm-hmm. in their personalities, which is kind of cool to watch them grow up, but, but trying to keep, you know, the house in order, which mm-hmm. again, I was at work too. Um, which was kind of nice. And my wife just uh, had the chaos. Like growing up with three boys is tough. And it's three within two and a half years. So they're really one year apart and a year and a half apart. So they're almost wow. like three Irish triplets. But really tra- but really tried to teach them that they're brothers and they can fuss and fight in the house. But when you go outside that house, this is a family and you got to watch out for each other because the world can be very tough. Mm. How do you instill that in them? Like what, what is your, your key to that? I, I think just communication and mm-hmm. trying to keep that relationship up. Um, mm-hmm. I know, you know, growing up trying to do things on my own, me and my dad didn't always get along, uh, mm-hmm. probably for you know, the same of a lot of our listeners. And, and today, even me and some of my boys, we butt heads a little bit, but I, I try to let them do what they think they is right for them. And I try to support that at this point, right? They're, they're 17, 18 and uh, 20. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think with that support brings growth and learning versus us arguing and, you know, somewhat uh, not talking for no reason. So I, I try to keep that open. Mm, yeah, definitely. I see a lot of times Colin, that with our children or even with our spouse for that matter, um, Sometimes we recognize stuff in them that triggers us that we don't like. And what that really is, is something we don't like within ourselves that we recognize. So whether it be an insecurity or whatever, it triggers us. So now we're being reactive to that and we kind of take it personally instead of saying, okay, there's something there that I don't like. I do it myself, you know, let me, let me try to change it in him. So he doesn't have to go through what I have to go through. You know what I'm saying? Right. Right. And, and, and I, I know that's what my, what my dad, you know, tried to do for me. Right. Mm-hmm. Try to make life easier because he made mistakes um, that I didn't have to repeat and, and so on down the line. And, and now we're at that same stage, which is, uh, it's kind of a fun stage, man. watching them come out of high school and, and become young adults. Yeah, for sure. man. <laughs> Making their own decisions and stuff like that. Um, 
the other day when we were talking, you said something super interesting. You said that you got to look at your kids kind of like a thoroughbred. Right. And with the blinders, can you, can you repeat that again? Cause I thought that was just such a great analogy on. <laughs> yeah. How I mean, you so, parent. right. So something that I've kind of thought of and come up with is rather than taking on, you know, my boys head on and trying to, you know, <laughs> maybe sometimes physically make them do something or try to mentally mind game them into doing what we need them to do. Mm-hmm. I try to stand next to them, right. Like a horse, or a thoroughbred with blinders and I try to tug their, you know, tug their cheek a little bit to try to lead them somewhere that's better versus us arguing over what is better Mm. and really trying to let them make that decision and then supporting that decision versus us fighting over a decision, I think has worked best for us. And I think that is such a great idea because everybody nowadays has their own process on disciplining their children, right? Some people like to paddle, whatever, yeah. right? Um, but I think the approach that you're using is a training approach because a lot of people think disciplining is spanking your children, and it's not. It's not at all. Disciplining no. actually means training, you know? And a part of training comes with being consistent and trying to guide them like you have been into the direction that is best for them right and and allowing them to to fail and make their own decisions but just guiding them just guiding them that's it that's all it is it's just training that's true right discipline that works you know and, and you know when it when it has to happen let like you said letting them fail mm-hmm. and then letting them you know dust off their knees and get back up and, and try again um because with growth or you know with failure comes growth right yeah, and that that has it's a necessary evil that has to happen. Even though as parents, we don't want to see our kids fail and fall, but really it has to happen, and it's it's tough to watch, but it it's great when they come out of it. Yeah, I think it's harder. I believe it's harder to for the for our wives to watch the kids fail. You know, um, I know I could sit back and I'm like, all right, I could call it out. I'll see where they're going to go wrong, whatever, you know, it's that, it's that father intuition, you know, that we all have. Right. And, um, and it'll happen exactly the way you say. And, you know, sometimes my wife will want to help them. She wants to go to the rescue because that's, that's a part of the way they were made to be the nurturer, right? right? The loving parent. Well, and And, that was uh, the role they played, right? For so many years raising them. I mean, they've been there at every stumble. And it's tough, I think, for them to watch and even for us, but for them to then separate and become adults, mm-hmm. right? And they don't they don't need you anymore, although they, they do need you as kids, but they really want to set out on their own. And I think the wives probably really feel lonely at that point mm-hmm. as a mother because they just leave and mm-hmm. not your empty nesting, which is kind of where we're at. And it's interesting trying to get back into that, you know, dating my wife um, mm-hmm. because I want to get to know her again uh, as my wife, not as the mother of my child. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. Yeah, definitely. When their whole life has been just wrapped up in the kids, the kids, the kids, the kids, you know what I mean? That's, that's definitely hard. It is um, because they almost wrap their identity in just that, you know, um, right. It's kind of the same way I see it as, as a per a man, right? A man needs a purpose. Right. Okay. That's why a lot of guys, when they retire, 
they don't live too long after that. Right. So that's why right. a lot of guys don't want to retire because they still need to have a purpose at a real good friend of mine who talked about his dad. And he said his dad was like 80 years old and his dad would always walk a half mile there and a half mile back to the NPM to get the paper. And he's like, dad, the paper gets delivered. He's like, you're missing the point, son. He's like, right. I have to get up, get dressed, wash my face and walk down there. I talk to the guy, I give him the money and I walk back. That's what he lived for. Right. You know? Getting out. I mean, like I said, purpose. Yep. And I think sometimes just like moms can get wrapped up with their purpose with the children. We get wrapped up as fathers in the providing and in our mm -hmm. identity at work. And sometimes we miss opportunities with our families mm -hmm. for growth. And that, that can be a struggle. I had a great conversation with an apprentice the other day and he was asking, he's like, man, I don't feel comfortable at home. He's like, I, I feel more comfortable at work. Cause I will think about it. And I was like, yeah. as men, we compartmentalize everything, right? We're like a, a waffle per se. We have these boxes and while we're in those boxes, right? Those are the boxes that we're in. Okay. Whether it be work, right. working out or whatever, or hobbies or whatever. Women are a lot different. They're like, spaghetti where each one of their thought processes touches one another and everything can lead to something else. You know what I mean? They're, Oh yeah. You know, but as men, we tend to spend more time in the boxes that we are comfortable with. So if we're feeling comfortable at work, cause we spend more time there, right? That's the right. box we're going to tend to spend in. So if you're now in the box where you're at home with your family and you don't really spend time there, you're going to feel uncomfortable. Of course you are, right? Yeah, you're going to yeah. want to get out of that because it's an uncomfortable feeling. And that's what I think a lot of guys who spend a lot of time on the road have to understand. You have to spend time in there. And it. how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time, taking those small little steps, right? To get comfortable right. back in that place. And it's going to take time. But with persistency, with consistency, It'll happen. You yeah, know? no, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, that's to me, keeping that, re that relationship open and communication mm -hmm. and not, not falling into that path of least resistance, right? Like electricity and yeah. can go somewhere else. I mean, that, that, that is part of the problem and, and the struggle because mm -hmm. it becomes easy to, to ignore something. Absolutely. I know, um, I've talked to, uh, couple other guys who talk about detachment detachment you know how do they they right. would always consistently detach their feelings and stuff like that and one of the questions i brought up to him is like okay so you get comfortable with detaching all the time now what you know now you're comfortable with doing that and it's easier for you to do that and now you're completely detached from your family i was like do right. you see the problem with that and they're like oh wow i never thought of it that way I was like, the only reason why I know this is because that's how I used to be able to leave my family. I would detach. I would turn very cold and I'd be so focused, driven on getting my stuff packed and ready to leave for a month or however long I was on a town, going out of town, that I would completely forget about the relationship and saying goodbye and the hugs and the kisses and everything that goes into be sent off to go and do some work, right? It was right. completely cold because I needed to detach from my family at that moment, you know, and uh, it didn't yield good fruit at all <laughs> for me, you know, so. Yeah, no, that, that doesn't, it's not a long sustainable plan, that's for sure. Mm -mm, mm -mm. 
Now I wanted to ask you, Colin, because you're you're super successful, dude. You're doing an amazing job as a business manager and the financial secretary. That. Um, we love what you're doing, dude. How do you balance your professional life with all the duties that you have with local 47 and as a dad? Yeah, so that um can be a struggle, but has gotten a little easier as my kids have gotten older, right? Mm-hmm. So they've kind of gotten into their um, groove of of growing up which has kind of given me some freedom to do some more work but really um we take time um every year we take a week to go camping and try to just reset we always did that right before the kids went back to school mm-hmm. um kind of unplug from the cell phones go fishing we normally would go up to convict lake up mm-hmm. in the mammoth area or, or even in the mammoth campground areas and just try to get back in touch with the family mm-hmm. and recenter ourselves, uh, you know, for the following year. And then again, just work on those relationships and communication and don't let little things bog you down or make it a reason not to reach out to your kids. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's helped out a lot. And in return, I get a lot of support, you know, from my kids in helping out around the house, helping their mom out. And, uh, and also just keeping the phone open since now they're running around with more phone call based, um, which is interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but it's good though, that you allowed yourself to detach from all the distractions, you know, going to the mountains and just being plugged in where you guys had to face each other and there is not a phone call coming in or anything like that. Right. That I think that has a lot of value. Don't you? It does. And, and again, going back to being a provider and trying to buy big, expensive toys, you know, this is mm-hmm. something that's not expensive. Yes. Um, you know, a bait and a bait and a hook with a worm is something the kids always had fun with. And that's got to be one of the cheapest things we've ever done in terms of providing mm-hmm. for fun. And the memories that come out of that, um, I think, are priceless versus, you know, things that you can buy. Absolutely. Especially the conversations that you're having, like you said, when you're just baiting a worm and just sitting there and listening to the the river or the creek or the pond or whatever it is out there, you know what I'm saying? The birds and just really talking about life, you know, with your father. I mean, that's, that's pretty awesome. brother. Kind of really exploring, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Our relationship and just, you know, moving forward, talking about life and growth. So that's Mm -hmm. done wonders for us um haven't gone up there this year i think we're probably gonna go maybe towards uh, august again mm-hmm. uh, when it probably cools down a little bit more so i remember uh some of the best memories i had was working with my dad um my dad is very very strict very militant he wasn't in the military but man he, <laughs> he lived like he was you know and um yeah cowboys that's an era yeah that's yeah. an era, right that's just a, a generation that is going to be gone soon mm-hmm. um, that kept all their paperwork and um, had nice handwriting and cursive. It's mm-hmm. something that we just don't see anymore being taught. No, no, it definitely isn't. But man, those were some of the best memories. I remember is just being with my dad out there in the boonies, you know, chopping trees or whatever, just, just talking to him. You know what I mean? That's yeah, when I saw free, him. Right? Being, yeah. Being free. Right. And uh, just listening to him and talking and just asking him questions, just curious about life, you know? 
Yeah. Now, that, one of my fondest memories was doing Boy Scouts with my dad. Mm-hmm. You know, when he when he would be home from working weeks on end. And back then, they didn't have 24s or 32s. They just, they worked. Mm-hmm. And uh, he would come camping with us or hiking. Sometimes he'd have to pull up and take a nap in the middle of our hike, which was funny. <laughs> so we would sit there and wait for a couple hours, but pick up, you know, where we left off and then catch up with the troop later. But those were always the fun moments um, for me growing up. Mm-hmm. No, for sure, man. What was the most important lesson that you learned as a father, Colin? What can you share with us? I think probably just being humble on making mistakes, mm-hmm. right? Don't beat yourself up too much. Uh, what you, you know, what you don't know, you just don't know. And trying mm-hmm. to be perfect can be tough, right? Because here you are. You know, at the time of the child's birth, at least for my first one, you're you're holding this precious little package and mm-hmm. you're watching them breathe and you're watching them squirm and you're going to make all these promises to that child for the rest of his life. And just making sure you follow through with that promise and uh, don't beat yourself up too much over it. You know, you, you're going to make mistakes. I know mm-hmm. I have, but that's, uh, I think, the biggest part that I look at. And I think that's so good to hear because I think a lot of fathers, man, they really, man, they, everything we do as men is just off how we perform, right? Especially if you're raised in a performance-based household like I was. Um, So any type of failure, you look at it in a negative light, right? Instead of growing from it. And um, I, I think that's the biggest thing is being able to give yourself that grace and be like, hey, man. I make mistakes, you know, I think that's huge for sure. I mean, we went, when the kids were young, we went, where did we go? We went to Alcatraz Mm -hmm. and we got all the way over there, packed all these bags and about half an hour into the tour, we forgot the kids, uh, uh, formula. We had to leave (laughs) to go back to the mainland (laughs) because we didn't bring formula. Um, but again, you know, you just never can be too prepared. It's, It's kind of funny. Yeah, exactly. And just giving yourself that grace. I mean, I know a couple of times we've been on these extravagant trips, you know, with the family or whatever, and I want it to be so perfect, you know, and sometimes I have to, my wife actually, thank God for her, because she sometimes reminds me, she's like, hey, man, it's okay. It's okay. You know what I mean? Because if it doesn't go a certain way or, or whatever I had planned in my head, I kind of freak out a little bit, you know, just right. being real. And it turns the whole day awful because as fathers, we have the ability to change the atmosphere, start working in a negative light like that and, and start being kind of negative and, and bugged. It totally has an effect on the whole entire family. You it know? can. I mean, just a, a comment or like you said, something doesn't work out now. Mm-hmm. Your plan was ruined even though the reality is it really didn't change anything other than your attitude um, towards your day. And that can really zap the fun out of everything. Um, And just, like I said, being humble on that, trying not to beat yourself up is probably one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give. What else do you do to stay connected now that they're older, right? And they're more developed. They have their own interests, their own passions. Uh, You said that you communicate on the phone, but how else do you stay connected with them now? Like, what do you try to do? Try, try to, try to, uh, try to 
be involved in maybe the hobbies they're in. So my, okay. my oldest boy really likes to work out. Mm -hmm. um, although he likes to work out by himself. Um, and he's going to college for kinesiology, which is like the art of working out mm -hmm. and trying to meet him in that space. Right. So in the garage, we have some weights and, and a little uh, cage with a bench. So, you know, trying to take time to do a couple workouts with him. Uh, my other son, Seamus, my, my middle, he joined the Air Force. He's really big into uh, cars, specifically JDM kind of cars, mm -hmm. and um, just trying to take time to to learn about that, right? Because he comes to me with all this information, and I'm more of a truck guy than a JDM kind of race car guy, but but mm -hmm. that's important to him and trying to understand, you know, what that is. Mm -hmm. And uh, for my youngest boy, he, during COVID, started working at a restaurant and really took to cooking mm. and, you know, trying to get him some utensils, um, knives and stuff like that so he can play around in the kitchen at home mm -hmm. um, is really, I think, trying to meet him where they're at, I guess is what I'm trying to say. And no, and I like that approach too, Colin, because you're not trying to change them at all. You're just trying to help them um, with their passions, right? Right. I think that's, I think that's awesome that you're supporting them in those ways. You know, those are three different kids, three different passions, and you're able to recognize number one, what they like. You're able to support them in those ways, right? Cause they're all different types of support that right. they need there. And you're able to know what they like. That's the big important thing. I think a lot of parents right now, they don't even know what favorite color their kids have. You know, and that's sad. Right. Well, that I, I probably don't know the color. Um, <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have to guess at that, but I know some of their hobbies. Yeah, um, you know their hobbies, right? Fun, right. And well, I'm keeping them active. I think mm -hmm. all the boys are pretty active. They like going to the gym. They all got gym passes. Um, it's it's also a nice, healthy hobby for everyone to have. Yeah, for sure. And and did you like working out yourself, or how did you get into that, or just just through your father yeah i mean or... i've always well always been athletic right through high uh -huh. school i played sports uh football and ran track um mm -hmm. and getting out of high school you know working in in our jobs like we do right they're all physical you stay mm -hmm. with some type of uh physicalness at work but then as i've transitioned into this role in the office you know i'm not i'm not carrying material anymore walking miles a day on the job site Mm -hmm. um, I've really had to focus on, you know, dedicating time mm -hmm. to make sure I'm hitting the gym at least two to four times a week. Um, because if I don't take time, it just won't happen. And yeah. I think that helps with, with our mental state and stability um, to work off some aggression and frustration. And then um, the ever-changing, you know, eating habits. Mm -hmm. You know, trying to take time to eat something decent versus dashboard dining from a fast food place, which which can be tough just because of maybe where you're at, you know, throughout mm -hmm. the day. Yeah, for sure. You can't live on station sushi <laughs> or right yeah. away sushi, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, no, and it happens. Um, I'm just yeah. trying to make it less and less as time goes on. And and again, right, instead of being reactionary, yeah. try to prepare for these things. Um, and you know, and always being strong in our faith. Um mm. we've always been faithful uh, at different churches and try to raise our kids that way to try to also center when they're having a hard time there's a mm -hmm. place to go and ask those questions mm. 
Yeah, no, definitely. Especially now when there's so many things going on in the world and so many different types of uh, questions that are popping up about faith. Right. Um, right. That's good to see that you are rooted in that and you're helping your kids develop their own way pretty much, you know, right. with, with that as right. well, you know, Supporting and they've them. gone to summer camps over the years, Bible studies mm -hmm. throughout the weeks. And so it's there for them, right? If that's where they're going to be. Yeah. And um, it gives them direction. How has that helped you in your, in your hardest times, you know, really falling back into faith and stuff like that? Has it helped you or? It, it has, it's, it's big. Mm -hmm. It's something again, I've come, come to mm -hmm. for help and then gone away from as, you know, I've lost my way and made mm -hmm. mistakes. And then, you know, as a rock, you come back to it cause it's, it's solid and it's there. Mm -hmm. And uh, me and my wife in the last couple of years have really stepped up our our game in the faith arena um, and more recently really just became confirmed in the Catholic faith, which was quite a journey over the last six, eight months for mm -hmm. both of us. Kind of interesting. No, that is interesting. And you were raised Catholic, I believe, right? We were. Yes, my, mm -hmm. my parents and and basically family was all Catholic. Um, when we moved out from Chicago, I was only about halfway done. Had um, just didn't finish confirmation. Mm -hmm. So as as we started down this path, it kind of got us a two for one special and got us in the door a little quicker. Uh, we got uh, our marriage blessed with the Catholic Church and then went on to finish and be confirmed. Uh, my wife did an RCIA class and was confirmed on Easter, and then I was confirmed about a month later. Mm -hmm. No, I think uh, faith is definitely got to be the biggest thing in your life, right? Um, there's a solid background. Things, absolutely, right? You have a house that's built on sand, it's going to fall. But if you have that house built on a solid foundation, right? Faith in right. something, it's, right. it's, it's going to be a lot harder for it to fall. I firmly Definitely. believe that, you know, and it's, um, it's a good moral compass, right? It keeps a lot of people, um, in the know and moving forward. I, I think it's great. Absolutely. And you said moral compass. I like that. Cause that's one of the things that we preach all the time is as a father, our job is to teach our kids, morals, values, personal responsibility, and self-control. That's what we need to teach our kids. You know what I mean? So right. I like I like to see that morals is there as well, you know, and that's a big deal. I mean, because there's so much uncertainty in the world right now and so many people saying certain things, so much noise, right? And oh, yeah. As, as fathers, that's our job. We need to be able to teach them right and wrong, you know? Definitely. And I mean, growing up, my mom always told me to live like you had a video camera on your shoulder. Um, mm -hmm. And unfortunately, today we do. Yeah. Right. I mean, I'm sure you've seen the stories of people getting caught on the ring camera, even a lot of our own workforce. Mm -hmm. A lot of them have uh, microphones. They can hear people down the street screaming and yelling or carrying on and getting in trouble. So there's cameras everywhere. I mean, you almost have to live that way already. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> No, for sure. I mean, there's so many different cameras within the vehicles and stuff like that. I mean, stuff that people got away with even 10 years ago, that ain't going to happen today, you know? And None of the watchful eyes out there. No, not at all. You know, but that's character too, though. You know, character, I've, I've heard it being defined right. as 
doing the right thing when no one's watching, you know? Right. Right. And, and that's part of the stuff that we need to teach to our kids is that character, you know, cause they watch us. I mean, if our words and our actions aren't congruent to what we're telling them, they're going to know you're full of crap. You know what I mean? They're like, dad doesn't even believe in this. He doesn't even live it. You know what I mean? So they're, I think it's, and they watch from a young age, you know what I mean? Yes. At the, when they're babies, they mimic everything. They're a sponge. And, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's important that we are good role models, you know, for them to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's crazy too, because think about it. So we're talking about kids. Okay. In our industry, I like to think of our apprentices that we deal with as kids too. Really? I mean, I know they're adults and I know they're men and this is a man's trade or a woman um, for that matter. But dude, they look at us like little kids and monkey see monkey do so if you're cutting corners you're telling them hey man i know you're not supposed to do this but i'm gonna do this i mean we're really really creating an atmosphere that is bad you know can be and we you know we've suffered that the consequences of that over time i mean we've seen accidents and fatalities where people just don't need to be Mm -hmm. and you know, trying to change that culture is also a, a passion of mine. Um, Cause as my kids get into this industry, if that's what they're going to do and I'll probably have one, if not two of them in the industry, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's extremely important that, you know, we keep our kids safe because it could be your own that's out there and we don't need to teach them something stupid. Um, we've mm-hmm. come too far, right. With incidents and accidents and creating rules, policies, and laws to protect everybody. And for people to just, you know, shine them and, and break rules and get hurt is just ridiculous. No, I agree. There's always a rule written for someone not following a rule, right? Um, right. Well, that's the reason why it's called the Red Book, right? Yep, exactly. Um, I always tell my apprentices that a great example of that is one time that I was up in the air, I had hired on onto a utility and we're just doing a, a, a simple pull swap, right? It had been raining for like three days. Um, it never really rained in the Southwest like that, but it was just pouring, dude. And um, as a new hire on the utility, they would always send a utility hand with you because you're the contractor. You know, we got to see what right. he knows. So I flew up in the air with this guy. He was a brand new journeyman. I had probably like four or five years on him at the time. And we go up in the air. And uh, I'm untying this, this uh, face, right? And he's like, oh, I was going to put the blanket down. I was going to put a rubber gut, you know, put a blanket right. on the arm. And he looks at me, he's like, what are you going to do? I was like, what do you mean? What am I going to do? I'm going to do it the way you're supposed to do it. And he's like, oh, here, let me show you something. So he flew the bucket to where he was in position to do the work. He unties it and he throws the face on the arm. Okay. The whole <laughs> arm turns blue. And it goes straight to ground, right? It's a Y system. It went straight to ground. We're lucky we didn't kill the foreman on the ground because he was about to staple right. the, pole, the, uh, the pull tag on the new pole. And he looks right. up there and he's like, what are you idiots doing, right? And uh, I was like, take me to the ground, dude. So we go to the ground and the foreman looks at me because, you know, obviously I have more time in the trade than that guy is. So he right away looks at me and I was like, and I explained to him, I was like, this guy just 
untied the face, he threw it on the arm. Well, he got really upset and he pulled that young journeyman around the truck. And being that he was a utility hand, they wanted to talk like to each other, right? Instead of having right. a contractor, which is me there. So he starts talking to him and he starts telling him, he's like, oh, what are you doing, bro? He's like, oh, you know better than that. And he's like, oh, well, we always do it that way. <laughs> right. And that's what I'm going back to is monkey see, monkey do. They had been getting yeah. away with doing that for so long because the conditions were dry that as you do everything, that's how you do everything. Right. So right. that's what he thought. He thought he could do it and not taking into account that it had been wet. It had been raining for three days. He thought he can do the same exact thing again. And it cost him. You know, we had a circuit interruption and stuff like that. Luckily, we worked for the right. utility, so they covered it up and everything. But, man, if that would have been a contractor, if that would have just been us as contractors, we would have been smoked right. off that job. You know what I mean? It would have it would have been a whole different story. You know, or someone could have gotten oh, very yeah. hurt, you know. But just going to right. show you that cutting corners, doing the proper procedures to cover up and, and work safely and just doing it because someone else has done it that way all the time, it doesn't fly, man. It don't. No, and it's it's just a tough time now. I mean, everything's at stake. Like like you said, mm -hmm. if if guys are messing up on the contract side, they just smoke everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, and and enough of those problems, and they'll smoke the whole yard. Yeah, and I mean, the utilities aren't messing around anymore, and there's millions and hundreds of millions of dollars at stake here. You know, probably mm -hmm. in the billion range, and they don't they ain't messing around. I can tell you that. No, no, not at all. I wanted to ask you for your advice, um, what you can give to new dads who are just starting out on this journey, coming into the trade, uh, just being a new father, bro. What kind of advice could you give these new dads? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably read as much as you can mm -hmm. on all the books that you can find. Um, talk to your dad, talk to your friends that have kids. Mm -hmm. And then try to make something of your own. And like I said, don't beat yourself up too much. What you don't know, you don't know. Mm -hmm. And when you know better, you can do better. Um, and really be a family unit mm -hmm. um, for support. I think that helps out a lot in the long run as, uh, you know, the family grows and changes in their needs. And mm -hmm. just being, being present and, and accountable to your family and your kids. I think is a huge part of being in the family. Absolutely. I like that you said read. There's so much resources out there. Um, we've teamed up with the National Father Initiative, and we have a, a tremendous amount of resources from work-life balance to being a new dad to everything. Everything's free. You know, just DM us and get with us, and we'll send it out to you. We'll pay for everything. Oh, that's great. Send it out yeah, that's to you fantastic. Guys, so. That's a great resource. Yeah. Absolutely. Because like you said, we didn't have a blueprint, you know what I mean? And nowadays, there's no excuse. <laughs> we There's stuff out there, right? So read, you know, take the opportunity. How do you think becoming a father really changed you as a person, brother? Well, I think it really slowed me down, you know, mm. prior, prior to you know, meeting what ended up being my future wife and having a child with her. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was kind of a wild man, right? Just out yeah. running around, partying all the time, you know, hanging out at different places that I probably shouldn't have been at. And uh, going through the process of becoming a father and getting married, 
mean, all of that kind of centered me in, you know, this is now the time to start the family and, and try to do the right thing, mm-hmm. you know, with lot with my life and with the family. And even in that is a struggle, right? I mean, it's a yeah. kind of trial by error, but again, if, if you got that moral compass going and, and you're really intentional in what you're doing, again, it's okay to make mistakes, but it's really how you come out of those mistakes and stand up and keep going is, is I think the key to life and, and fatherhood. No, I like that. No, definitely. Yeah. Just learning from those mistakes. I know <laughs> I made a tremendous amount of mistakes, you know, even with my right. family and still continue to do so, you know, so sure. Sure. But, yeah, you got to so learn. We have a lot them, of, you know? a lot of life left. So I know, I know I'm not done with mistakes <laughs> yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. What do you feel particularly proud of or fulfilled in your experience as a dad? Like what was your most proud moment? So watching probably my oldest boy graduate high school is mm-hmm. one of the big ones. And, and each kid, I'm going to have their own moment. And, and graduation yeah. is one of them. But my oldest son um, has a chromosome disorder called 2211 deletion. And he's got a number of, of issues. And really, mm-hmm. um, for someone who's kind of behind the ball in that realm, but but can survive and make it through school, mm-hmm. um, is, I think, one of the biggest accomplishments in in my life with him, um, watching my middle son uh, join the military while he was in high school, really mm-hmm. had a plan together of what he wants to do for his life, and he's he's working that plan, right? Mm-hmm. Um, again, I I thought a little young, a little early for him, but he he knew what he was doing, and and he's off and running. And then just you know watching my other son here getting ready to graduate, I think that's a huge accomplishment as a father to get them ready for, for the rest of their life as adults and, and beyond. Right. I mean, it doesn't stop there, but that that's probably the biggest accomplishment for me. No, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean, it's, I mean, I don't, my daughter won't be graduating until another year, but man, I think about it. It goes by so quick, bro. It does. I mean, a blink of an eye and they're already ready. They're driving. They're, going to prom right. they're thinking about their career and it's just like holy smokes and, you know and you know when they when they stop asking for help it's not mm-hmm. that they don't like us right as parents but i think it shows how well we've raised them yeah so where they can do things on their own two feet and and get by obviously there's going to be struggles and hard times for them and for us in a relationship going forward but but knowing that that's the right thing to do and not baby them till they're 28. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but letting them, you know, kind of fly on their own for a little while. I think it's a good thing. No, I, I agree with you, brother. And, and not personalizing it either. Right. Not, not taking right. offense when they don't reach out to you. I mean, I like well, that you put it in that extremely tough. It's mm-hmm. that's a, and that's probably the toughest thing that we've as, as a husband wife has had to deal with watching them grow up is, is that they are, they don't need us so much mm-hmm. and not personalizing it, that it's not about us. It's a, this is about them and their future. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. No, that's a, that's definitely success right there. So if you guys are listening right now, man, don't personalize it. Just know that you've done a good job and they're living their life, man. 
they're living their life, you know? So no, that's awesome. I, I really like that you said that, Colin, for sure. What do you think some of the biggest misconceptions about fatherhood that you see in society today, bro? Probably the role as the provider mm-hmm. and what and maybe what the provider means and being that tough love of a provider probably doesn't need to be so tough. Um, and fathers can be soft and, and maybe for me, I didn't get to be that soft cause I had all boys and I didn't have a yeah. daughter, but I think as, as you raise your kids, whether they're boys or girls, but just being more compassionate and softer, mm-hmm. um, because we don't have to be such hard asses, even though that's, you know, that's kind of where we're at, especially in the classifications and jobs that we do. It's a real mm-hmm. manly world out there, but um, not to fall in that trap. Man, no, I, I like that because it's so easy to do. I think um, my wife used to tell me, you need to come out of Lyman. You're not talking to Lyman right now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I was just extremely harsh and it, and it almost cost me. I mean, my little it girl... Is. I'm I'm surprised I had a uh, I have the relationship that I do now, and it's through consistent work with her now, right? But man, for a long time, right there, I had severed that relationship because I was just so harsh and so critical with her, treating her like an apprentice or whatever. You know what I mean? And nothing she can do was good enough. And you get caught right. in that mode. And I'm glad you said that. I'm glad you brought that up because it's devastating. It is for them. And and not playing the victim, right? I think yeah, a, a lot of the people around us and in the trade can play the victim or fall in the trap of being the victim. And the reality is, life's not fair. Things mm. aren't equal and even, and you got to get out there and get after it yourself, and really, you know, take a win for you and the family. It's it's not going to come on its own. No, that was great advice, Colin. Well, thank you for being with us today and just sharing with all the dads out there and all our listeners on how they can show up for their family every day, Colin. Um, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Um, you're doing amazing things with Local 47. And I just want to thank you from our foundation to you for everything you do for the members. I mean, I have never been to a union local where they give and give and give back to not only their members, but the members' families. So thank you. Well, I, pre- I appreciate the support, Dave. This has been great. Thank you. Absolutely. And is there any way that if our listeners want to get a hold of you, they can reach out to you, Colin, or anything like that? Or Yeah, I mean, I can, uh, I'll give you my personal cell phone if that's what guys are looking for and they want to call me. Yeah, 951-746-4068. And give me a call. I'm more than happy to talk to anybody about anything. Absolutely. Well, once again, thank you. This is the Show Up Dad with Colin Lavin. Thank you.